Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Beat, the only podcast which brings together the reporters and journalists who cover Arsenal on a regular basis for some of the UK's biggest media titles. I'm Sam Dean from the Daily Telegraph and today I'm joined by Mark Manbryant of PA Media and Simon Collins of the Evening Standard. All three of us are at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night, sitting in the same row of the press box behind Mikel Arteta, as Arsenal produced a quite remarkable, and I think it's fair to say totally unexpected, 4-2 victory at the home of the European champions. We'll be dissecting that, asking what on earth happened there, and we'll also look ahead to the United game on Saturday, which should be very interesting indeed, I think. Thanks for joining us, fellas. Obviously, we've got to start with last night. Mark, after zero points from three games against Palace, Brighton and Southampton and one goal scored, who who really saw that one coming last night? Question. I don't even know if, if Mikel Arteta would have seen that coming, to be, to be completely honest. I think if you'd offered Arteta a point and a good performance and a goal last night, he'd have snapped your hand off. I think what he got was was well-deserved. I think it was a it's just a chaotic game, wasn't it? Uh, I think Simon said to me at half-time that Arteta would have been almost pulling that jet black hair out with the way some of the some of the moves were, were working out and how the plays were, were playing out because it's not what he wants on that team. But at the moment, he got what he needed rather than what he wanted, I think, if that, if that makes sense. Simon, how did they do it? I mean... In the most un-Arsenal way, they did it, I think. Because, you know, if you look at some of Arsenal's best performances, and I think we've probably spoken about it on here, they've been very controlled, very measured. And I actually think last night was them sort of just playing with emotion and intensity and a bit of chaos. And maybe that's what they needed after three defeats on the spin. Now, I wasn't at the Brighton game, but from hearing what you guys said and everyone who was there, it was very tepid. The same as at Southampton. And I kind of feel like they went out there with bit cliche but a point to prove and and you know, Eddie Nketiah is not someone who I thought we were going to be talking about or writing about after this game but I do think he embodied what Arsenal wanted to achieve and as much as Tuchel you know after the game was pointing out how awful those defensive mistakes were from Chelsea they came about because Nketiah was pressing harrying the Chelsea defence in stark contrast to what Lukaku was doing he seemed to be walking around in points at players and and Arsenal made their own luck. You know, they worked incredibly hard off the ball. And in the second half, I do think they were a bit more organised, a bit more solid. But this was just an occasion where Chelsea were a bit off it and Arsenal worked incredibly hard and, and took their chances, which before this game, as I read your piece in the Telegraph, Sam, they were not very good at taking their chances. Yeah, I mean, they were they were, they were were clinical last night and that's, and that's one thing they have not been in the last few weeks. Um, let, let's, let's focus a bit on... On Eddie Nketiah. So he hadn't started a league game at all this season until Southampton. Obviously didn't score there and, and Arsenal was sort of, you know, okay, weren't they at Saints, but nothing more than that really. And then last night, the two two things that jumped out for me were that, uh, A, the pressing, you mentioned Simon, and the sort of energy, um, and also the willingness to sort of run in behind. And um, long-time listeners will know that I've, I've been a bit of a defender of Lacazette in terms of what he offers to the team and the way he drops into midfield and creates chances. And we all saw, and we all know how many assists he got in that very impressive run from sort of mid-December to, to March. But Lacazette does not score that goal that Eddie Nketiah scored in the first one last night. He just does not get onto that. Um, I tweeted that and somebody replied, saying he'd still be on the halfway line by the time Christensen 
gave the ball away. And I do wonder if that's, you know, obviously Ketty's a very different player, Mark, and, and he approaches the game in a totally different way. But I do wonder if that sort of thing might actually suit Arsenal more now, given that they they do need some energy and some life and some sort of spirit. And it, maybe it's too simple, but he brings that, doesn't he? He brings it in abundance. The, the, the thing I have to say that I think still after last night people agree on is he doesn't bring enough quality to, to be Arsenal's long-term solution in that position. But for the remainder of the season, at, at this present time, could, can you take him out of the firing line and put Lacazette back in? I know Lacazette's the, the club captain, but that's almost by default, isn't it? So I just think he, he's got to play against Manchester United. I think that might have been one of the reasons he came off when he did last night too, because that short turnaround, which we know that Mikel Arteta has been fuming about, was to almost wrap Eddie and Ketter in cotton wool. Who'd have thought we'd been saying that, you know, at the start of the season. But you, you're, you're, you're spot on in terms of he his role in that team last night. He played it to absolute perfection. And not just the goals, but the, the movement, the way he dragged that defence around, particularly in the first half, just just showed that he, he's got, so, I think he's got something to prove. I think Arteta's happy for him to, to give him that opportunity. I know he didn't score against Saints, but his movement was there. It was there for all to see. He needed that bit of luck last night. But that first goal, actually, is still quite a good finish. It, it's the furthest he's ever scored away from goal, which is incredible if you think about it. But he still took it very well, which will get lost in the fact, obviously, it was a Christian mistake, Christensen mistake to begin with. But I don't think anybody going into that game last night would have expected the performance. Uh, maybe Nketiah himself would have backed himself, but... You know, it, it, it was one of those performances you just see once in a blue moon, really. And it just so happened it came at, at just the perfect time for Arsenal. And also, Arteta afterwards, and even before the game, at the press conference on Wednesday and then talking to, to our lot last night, he, he almost said apologetically how little football he's been able to give Nketiah this season. And I know that's easy to say now he's scoring and stuff, but if he's a man of his word, then then Nketiah leads the line on Saturday, doesn't he? Isn't it as well, Sam? I think we've mainly spoken about it off the pod, but maybe a bit on it that it's been quite easy to work out what Arsenal are going to do um, since this sort of good run they've had. And particularly at the start of April, I think we've seen teams work them out. And just just by changing it and having a different point of attack kind of feels like now, if they stick with Nketiah for you know even just three, four games, at least opposition defences and teams are going to have to think, all right, okay, this is different to when they've got Lacazette in the team. He can run in behind. He might stretch us. Um, it's probably going to be a question whether Arteta sticks with the 3-4-3 three, three as well. Do, do you think there's something in that, Sam, where just now they've at least got opposition to are preparing for them in tactical analyst meetings who are thinking, wait a second, it might not be Lacazette leading the line. We can't just prepare to press up and play a high line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the way Palace dealt with Arsenal, and Vieira said afterwards in the press conference that, he basically told his defenders, whoever was on Lacazette, to jump into midfield with him and to press, basically always stick on Lacazette's back because they know when Lacazette drops deep, they can go with him because there's not that other runner behind generally, apart from maybe Saka or Martinelli, but then the other defenders around to deal with it. And, and Brighton absolutely shut down the sort of avenue to Lacazette. I was watching some of the clips back and basically Lewis Dunk stood behind Lacazette and Eve Basuma stood in front of him. So there was no... There was no way out. And obviously we know Lacazette's not got the pace to just run in behind and, and spin past players. And I think basically teams realise that if you stop Lacazette, you pretty much stop Arsenal's attack. And as you say, Simon, that totally changed last night. And, and uh, I was just thinking about it in Ketty this morning as well. And he's been very clear, Mark, about wanting to play football. And that's the reason for the, 
the refusal to sign a new contract. And Arteta has always said the same thing, that Eddie just wants to play football. And, and no one I've spoken to has ever questioned whether that is the reason or not. Um, and I just wonder if, you know, given, given Arsenal's striking position, it's going to be very difficult and complicated for them to sign two strikers in one window. We know that. And it's going to be very expensive. If Eddie starts every game for the rest of this season, is there a chance, do you think, that he might go, ooh, you know what, fine, I'll stay? No, I don't think so, because it, it's all as a matter of, you know, it's, it's circumstance, isn't it? It's not, he's not suddenly got that shirt and he's going to keep it for himself. If, if they somehow convince him to sign a new deal in the summer, you'd imagine Arsenal are still going to go out and spend quite a lot of money on a striker. So he's going to find himself back in that same position of, of you know, playing maybe in Europa League or Conference League or wherever that, you know, <laughs> League Cup or whatever competition it is they end up in that they don't particularly care about. And, and being on the bench in the Premier League. I, I, the stats are skewed against him almost. When you look last night, I think it was one goal in his last 29 Premier League appearances, but he'd only started five of those. You know, that's not, you can't get a run together. You're almost coming on. And you, you look at, a, when you bring a striker on, it's invariably when you're chasing a goal. So, you know, it's a difficult situation to be in for him. He, I think he will try and take the ball by the horns now as a way of showing other clubs, potential suitors that he is good enough. And, you know, if he bags another two or three or four goals between now and the end of the season, he could go from impressing almost lower mid-table Premier League clubs to maybe those higher up in the table and proving that he could do a job for those clubs. Yeah. Um, another hero who was slightly unlikely, I think it's fair to say last night, was a certain Mohamed Elneny. Mark, you've been waiting for this moment almost as long as He's been waiting to make a senior appearance for the club. Uh, he hasn't kicked a ball for Arsenal since New Year's Day. So all I'm going to say is, Mark, the floor is yours. Yeah, it was all right, wasn't he? <laughs> 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 I, it was funny. I, I was probably slightly delirious, but we were met, I was messaging Sam last night when I got home or when I was on the way home. Um, and I just said, you know, Arteta clearly trusts him because he plays him in the big games and Sam pointed out he, he rarely plays him. But... It is, a, it is a trust thing, I think. You know, I, I tweeted before the game and it was a bit tongue-in-cheek about the Phil Jones situation with United the night before at, at Anfield, where he hadn't played for so long and he came into a new system with players that were out of form. And to a slight degree, that exactly happened with Elneny last night. And you need to have a trust in a player like that. What You know, he's, he's taken Lekonga out of the firing line. I think Lekonga struggled lately. He partnered him with Xhaka, who... The, the change of system helped massively get Xhaka back into the central midfield, in my opinion, as well. But he, Arteta clearly trusts Elnene. Like we, everyone was waxing lyrical about him after that win at Old Trafford last year when he played well with Thomas Partey. He played him at Old Trafford earlier this season. I know they lost, but they arguably deserved to get something out of that game. I wonder, does he start on Saturday? Potentially. I don't see why Arteta would tweak a winning team too much. I know I mentioned it earlier. The turnaround's tight, but we also know that El Nene's played hardly any football, so he's, he's not going to be fatigued. But last night, he, he we were talking in the press box after, he did the bread and butter last night, which I think is the kind of player he is. You know, there was mm. hardly any straight passes. He actually played some balls forward. He was he was heading stuff out of his own box towards the end, you know, do some challenges in there. And he's a player that knows his own limitations, I think, and plays plays still to within those limitations. And that's crucial for every for every team and, and every squad needs players like that. And that's why I'm going to now start a campaign for him to, to sign a new six-year deal. 
four hundred grand a week, um, which you'll probably see half of, knowing that you're wearing a PR you do. <laughs> Simon, we, without, without any, look, we, we all know he's not the guy to break down opposition defences. He's not going to thread a pass through in the way that they hope Lukonga might or, or, or Party would with those sort of line-splitting passes. But does last night show that there is value to just having a bloke who just, you know, tackles, reads the game, holds his position, plays it simple and, and does, as Mark said, the bread and butter? Yeah, and if he is very much a, a horses-for-courses type player and, it was interesting. You look at his Premier League starts this season. That was only his second one. His other one was away at Old Trafford. So you've got a sort of squad player who only seems to play in big games away from home. But that's what he's he's there for. He's almost better without the ball. Not to do him too much of a disservice, but there are a number of times where balls were going into the box last night and I could hear Mark going, oh, it's on Nene again. again. And it was, in fairness, he was the one sort of, you know, making blocks, interceptions, and sometimes that's what you need from from your, one of your midfielders. And he's a perfectly serviceable Premier League midfielder. And I actually think he'll probably get a fairly decent move to a mid-table side because um, I think in, in, in a worse team, he'd probably have a more prominent role. But for Arsenal, he's just had to play that role where he is, you know, break glass in case of emergency and bring out El Nene. But he's what you want from a squad player, I think. I know he gets derided a lot, but... He speaks to people at Arsenal. He's very good around the place. He's very well liked. He's not going to kick up an absolute stink and cause our test a load of problems. And then he comes in, having waited three months to play, and absolutely runs his heart out and has a good performance. So I, I, I agree with Mark. I, I would keep him in the team on Saturday, particularly as, as it's United, um, who I know he's actually got a track record of good performances again. And um, yeah, just again, sums up what a weird night it was that Nketiah and Onene were the heroes for Arsenal, which... I don't think we've ever said after last performance. I um, just picking up on something you said there, Simon. I think let's just pick a club at random. Uh, Wolves. He won't go to Wolves, but let's just say Wolves. They sell Ruben Neves. You know, get Elneny in. Blah blah blah. If if he goes to a club and is expected to play thirty games a season and be a a match winner, I he's not suited to that. I don't think he wants to play more football. He needs more minutes. But the role he's got in that Arsenal squad is quite quite niche, but also quite good for him, I think, in, in the sense that, you know, Eric Cantona once called Didier Deschamps the water carrier, didn't he? Now, I'm not com- com- comparing him to Deschamps in the slightest, but it is that that role that he can do almost in a bigger side occasionally is almost better for him than getting a role every week in, week out, where his limitations are going to be exposed when he hasn't got better players around him. And, I turned to Sam at one point last night. I'm actually going to talk about a different player for a minute. Um, but I turned to Sam last night and I just said, when's the last time you watched Arsenal and Granit Xhaka wasn't one of the best three players in, in the team? And I thought again last night, he was he was one of those. I think, you know, take away, away the off-field stuff he's done and the interviews he's done and, and the issues he's got with the fans, which is easier for us to do as journalists, obviously, than it is for supporters. And he, he is regularly one of the best players in that Arsenal team, isn't he, Sam? Yeah, and, and it's a simple fact that when, no matter which manager's been in the dugout for Arsenal, Jacques has always played. Um, and that nutmeg to start the goal, uh, the Smith Rowe goal last night, nutmeg on the edge of his own box on Marcus Alonso was was a moment of like genuine class. The sort of thing that, um, you know, it's a, it's a classic, you know, if Jacques had done that, he'd be, you know, sent off kind of thing. Well, 
if Neymar had done that nutmeg, it would have been going absolutely viral on on, on social media and stuff. But because it's Shaka, it just slightly gets underplayed. Although it was a very good finish by Smith Rowe as well, so they, I can see why that um, that that was also uh, slightly overshadowed by by that goal. But um, I, I just just very quickly on Armeni again before we move on. Um, with similar situation to Inketia up front in terms of the squad, we, we know how short of options they are, and we know how many players they're going to need to sign this summer, whether they get Europa League or Champions League. There'll be more of Champions League, I think, because they won't be able to use some of the kids that they would in the Europa League. But we, it, it's so difficult to go out and buy that many players in one summer. And there has to be an argument that if El Neni's happy with it, and this is probably the big if, a one-year extension, if they get in the Europa League, for example, and he can play, he can play the six Europa League games, he can come in and do a job at once or twice, you know, every few months, a big team away. He's a good character. We all know that. He's not a problem guy behind the scenes. There has to be an argument that it makes sense to just keep him going. And I know people will say, no, we need to have the big clear out and the refresh and rebuild the squad. But it's not easy to go and buy eight or nine new players in one window. It's, it's practically impossible. And whenever teams have tried to do that, it's generally not worked. So I do... You know, I wouldn't have said any of this stuff before yesterday, which is the beauty of football, that suddenly suddenly the whole thing changes. But you look at it and think, well, there probably is some value. I mean, it's not like he's earning massive money on any. You just, just give him a year extension, you know. And that's, of course, on the assumption that he would want that, which we don't know. And I, I expect you're right, Mark, that he, he'll, he'll want to go and play football more regularly. <laughs> Moving on, Simon, the shape, three at the back last night. First time we've seen that from Arsenal mm. for a long time. Um, I would say that brought more protection for White and Gabriel, which they've needed since Tierney got injured and Tommy Asi has been out. It probably suited Nuno Tavares more because he could do what he's better at, which is running around like a madman um, and sort of charging about. The box sort of midfield with the four as a square brought quite a lot of joy for Smith-Rowe and Odegaard playing in the sort of positions they want with Nketiah running in behind and creating more space. Is that possibly the way forward or do you think that was just a Chelsea-specific plan? Um, I mean, it could be the way to go. We were, we were actually discussing at the press conference, Mark and I sort of, I mean, in an and about, you know, where they're going to go for a back three. And in the end, I, I, I do my team prediction. I said, oh yeah, I think they'll go for a back three. I think they'll max... And they'll match Chelsea because it's if there's one team where you want to match their shape, I think it's Chelsea. But but for the rest of the season, given the pieces that are available, I think it might be might actually be the way to go. Um, I think Gabriel and White have both been struggling a bit a bit recently. Um, I think just having an extra man in there and holding did make a difference. I thought Gabriel had a much better game than he's had he's had in recent weeks. I still thought White was a bit rusty, certainly with Nuno. Um, other than the Azpilicueta goal, I think he looks much more happy playing with a back three because he has that license to get forward. Um, the only sort of debate you have is the right wing back role. And Saka did have a good game going forward. I think he struggled a bit defensively and we could see in front of us Arteta wasn't very happy with how they were defending that left-hand side. But I think that's because Marcus Alonso basically wasn't interested in defending. He was essentially playing almost as a left forward. So Ben White was getting doubled up on a bit. Um but as much as it suited all them, I actually thought it really suited Smith Rowe uh, and Odegaard as well. I think those two players, you know, we sort of debated about when they sign, you know, who's going to play as the number 10 and almost having them in that formation where it was sort of a three, four, two, one. 
and they could both be number 10s actually really suited them. So if I was Arteta, I think, I think I would stick with it for now. I think it's also a big call from him to do that because, you know, Mark was making the point we were, I was saying sort of, if he goes to back three and they lose, he's going to get hammered here because he's sort of suddenly thrown away this, he's changed the shape that's been so good all season. Um, but then if he'd stuck with the four three three, he would have been hammered as well. He'd have been damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I think now he might have stumbled on something that with the players that are out, you've got a formation that fits because I don't think there's anyone who can do what party does in the, in the base of that midfield in a four three three. I also think you, you touched on it there, but I thought quite quietly because of other performances, I thought Odegaard was getting back to his best again last night. The assist for the, for the Smith Rowe goal, just, he, he seems to be able to pick up more pockets of space playing there, whether it's because that the defence also have to worry about Smith Rowe in similar positions, but even his staunch, most staunch defender, Sam, would probably admit that Odegaard pro- probably gone off the boil for the last three or four since since I interviewed him. Basically, he's gone to shit. Um, <laughs> so, so I can only yeah, I can only apologise uh, to everyone for that. But um, I thought last night he looked good. I don't think that's a coincidence with the with the shape change. And I think Simon spot on. I think what would he do on Saturday differently to to that? Do you know what I mean? Who who comes in to that side off the bench? unless you wanted to play Martinelli. I just think from now on, in fact, he's, he's almost stumbled across another formula, a different formula. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you stick with it? Especially against the United team that, you know, their, their confidence is on the floor, they're shot, aren't they? Like, why not stick with your team that you know has just gone and won at the home of the Champions League winners when you're playing a team that, you know, is just getting rolled over and having his belly tickled most weeks? I guess the counter-argument is that uh, Chelsea aren't going to sit deep and say break us down which is what Brighton, Southampton and Palace basically did in the second half of those games and Arsenal didn't have enough to break them down so if you're playing back five which is you know or back three suddenly if you've got one less player in a dangerous position and if if United basically part the bus which I don't think is a totally unreasonable thing to suggest they might do that will be a lot harder for them to break down and find those spaces that Odegaard and Smithrow did last night that it was against Chelsea who were pushing quite high and trying to play with a high line. So the sort of the nature of the opponent, I think, plays into it to some degree. But but I completely agree. And, and also with Odegaard finding more space, I think that must be linked as well to Nketiah um, being on the last line and trying to run in behind because that just stretches teams more. I mean, Lacazette was coming into Odegaard's space before and that worked very well for a few weeks. But um, obviously, as we know, in the previous three games, it had stopped working, as uh, as we discussed earlier. Now, let's move on to Saturday. The, the other player who might come in, potentially, although I think it's probably still a bit unlikely, is Tommy Yasu. Um, Simon, remember him? He was that fullback they signed. Um, no. he, he had a good start to the season, if you remember. Uh, played right back, <laughs> tall bloke, good in the air. He was the best right back in the world for a short spell, wasn't he, I think? <laughs> I think so, I think so. Simon, how much of that, how big, how big a, you know, how big a thing could that be to have Tommy Yasu back for Arsenal? Yeah, I think it's almost been overlooked a bit when um, we've been talking about players out. We keep going, oh, you know, there's no party, no Tierney. But Tommy Asu um, has been a big loss. And, you know, we, we joke about it there, saying he's the best right back in the world. But the way he started the season was brilliant. And it for the for what also wanted to do with the fullbacks in terms of having Tierney being you know the most advanced and Tommy Asu almost at times making it a back three was a very specific role that... Um, Cedric obviously can't do. I mean, he's 
serviceable backup right back, but he's not the same type of player as Tommy Asu. So it has had to change the way Arsenal use their fullbacks. And I, and I don't think it was um, any real surprise that for me, I don't think Tierney has been as good when Tommy Asu's not been in the team because I almost, I think Arteta sort of switched it a bit and said Cedric can be a bit more advanced and Tierney, you've got to, you've got to stay back. So it will give them something different. Um, be interesting as well to see if, you know, if they do stick with this back three for the next couple of games where you put Tommy Asu in that system. Um, I think he would be good if good in a back three, actually, because of his ability on the ball. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been such a bizarre, bizarre injury that um, I know he injured his calf and then injured another one. But sort of every week Arteta has been like, he's close, you know, he's, he's really close. And then we just don't see him. Um, so I think, I think in the summer, it, obviously we're going to be talking about, there's lots of things to address. I, I do wonder whether um, they might want to upgrade what their other options are at right back in, as opposed to Cedric, because if this is going to be a trend with Tommy Asu, I think he had problems in Italy as well. Um, you need the cover to be a bit better and a bit more like for like, I think. take you back to October Manchester United nil Liverpool five <laughs> in, Man United's in Man United's next game they travelled to North London and they played against Tottenham Hotspur and they bounced back from a heavy defeat by Liverpool and won three nil at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this week obviously they've been battered by Liverpool and face a trip to North London afterwards Surely, Mark, they can't be as bad as they were against Liverpool in midweek. Uh, no, I don't think they can. I also don't think Arsenal are anywhere near as good as Liverpool, stating the obvious, aren't, aren't we there? But that performance one, I mean, you only have to listen to the, the snippets of, of Gary Neville. I know your your website, the, the Telegraph website, ran that piece yesterday, which I thought was really good in terms of what he said during the game. He almost had a, a breakdown, didn't he, on, as the game was going on. But I, I think... You know that that United team's a mess. Ralph Ranić doesn't seem to command any any sort of respect from them. We won't name names, but you and I sat talking to a former professional last night who was just ripping them to bits. The manager, in particularly, wasn't he? Um, you mentioned that Tottenham game. I mean, that was I think Tottenham were pretty much towards the end of the Nuno experiment that went badly wrong, weren't they? There, so I think that's almost pinch of salt kind of territory. That result. Um, yeah, it, it's not good for United at the moment. It's really not. I think they were lucky to beat a Norwich team that are, are go, going to go down in style. Um, and then around that, you know, they lost to Everton. They drew Leicester. They got knocked out of the Champions League after that abject performance. They beat Tottenham again. But again, you, you know, the last two wins have been 3-2 with Cristiano Ronaldo hat-tricks, you know. And I know, I think he'll be back this weekend, but you can't expect to, what, 30, is he 37 now, Ronaldo? He's not going to keep doing that every every time they need to get him out of a hole. And um there's a really good chance for Arsenal on Saturday to show that they are actually a better side than Manchester United. I think at the start of the season, when you saw the business that United did with Ronaldo coming in and Sancho coming in, compared to Arsenal, who, you know, they spent more money and they brought in some, some good pedigree players, but there were question marks over them. M most people would have had United being closer to the, to the top three than, than the fourth place spot. Whereas actually, in, in reality, if, if Arsenal beat them at the weekend... I think United then then got Chelsea the week after. It could, it could go catastrophically wrong for for Ranić and, and 
and whoever the new manager is going to be in, in the summer. Obviously, this isn't the uh, United beat, this is the Arsenal beat. But Simon, I do wonder if you think there's anything that United can sort of learn. And this is this is obviously with the caveat that United could easily finish above Arsenal this season and everything could, could, could shit. But you look at the way that they've got this bloated squad, they've got all these players earning loads of money um, and doing nothing. And it, it all feels very Arsenal 2018-19 to me. Um, and I do wonder if you think... Any similarities there between or anything they can learn from how Arsenal have gone about essentially chopping off all their players' heads they didn't want um, and telling Arteta you have all the power to, to do so? Yeah, I mean, I think with, with Arsenal, the issue they almost had, even with the sort of first years of Arteta, but particularly Emery, that I think they were, I mean, they were close to the top four, but they were closer than they thought they were. And they tried to sort of make small tweaks and, you know, put bandages on the squad rather than doing a complete surgical reset, which is what they did this summer, Arsenal. It took them took them the problems of Willian and short-term signings to make them realise, you know, actually we need to do a proper proper rebuild job here. And I wonder now with United um, whether this summer they might just have a look and think, okay, right, let's, let's properly, you know, build this from the bottom up. Let's look at young players for the future let's not look at signing, you know, as good as Ronaldo's been a player, a very short term signing that, you know, that's to try and win now. And I wonder whether they might look at what Arsenal have done and think, you know, if you, if you go for look for long-term and try and build something, um, it might be the way to go. I, I don't think you can really chat. Well, Arsenal certainly can't challenge with, with City and Liverpool right now. They've got to try and make something longer term. And I think if United are to go about trying to rebuild themselves, for me, that's what I'd look at doing. And um, they're going to have a chance to do a clear up this summer with a new manager at the helm. And it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I mean, one, let's be honest, one thing they can do, we've, we've spoken about it, is Eddie and Ketcher and Mohamed Onani are available on free transfer, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. But also, that, you know, this season, and we're talking match going fans here, not online fans of Arsenal, there is a difference, I think, in terms of mood and and feeling but I think Arsenal fans have been quite enthused by the youth of the team and the amount of academy products in that side and I think anyone with a brain knows that when you play a team with the youngest average age in the league by some distance and I think they're the youngest team in the league for about nine years um, you're going to have dips and they're going to be problems but I think most Arsenal fans certainly the intelligent ones have accepted that and gone yeah okay well we believe in this in this project we believe in the process, if you will. And that's, that's something to get behind. That, that, that journey is something they want to get on board with. And they see Smith, Rowe and Saka and even Eddie last night. That, yeah, those are those are Arsenal boys sort of coming through the academy. And it, it's it's something to buy into, which I think United fans have lacked uh, for some time. And maybe that's one thing that United might look at Arsenal and think, yeah, we can do that. Um, our time is running out. So before I go, well, I'll ask for a... A prediction or two because that's always a nice way to end when you haven't got a quiz prepared apologies <laughs> um, <laughs> whoops um, Mark come on give, give us a bold prediction before the game last night uh, yeah before before kickoff last night I'd have said quite a, a you know a, attritional draw I think <clears throat> excuse me given how it's gone this week Arsenal win it 2-0 I think Psycho yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, it would be very Arsenal to now lose to Man United at home. 
Um, it would be very, very Arsenal. But I, I think they're going to win it um, 2-1, I think. I think it'll be, it'll be a bit nervier than than it should be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with 6-5. Eddie gets <laughs> all of them. Uh, and El Nenny scores two own goals. But yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Thanks very much both. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week uh, to decompress after United. Uh, is it West Ham after that? It is. Already confused. Yeah, West Ham. Yeah. We've got no... De- West Ham have got no defenders and I've got uh, games against Frankfurt between or either side of the Arsenal game. So on paper, that one looks far more easy than you might think. Anyway, we'll get to that next week. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.